We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest Starting on March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and on March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on this action. And with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. Remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. So visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word, BLUEWIRE. For your 50% sign-up bonus, it's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway, lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. The shot on the back. The crossover. Levine, get up or get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I am Jason Pat here, as always, with Ricky O'Donnell. We also have a special guest today. We have Matt Bernhardt from Bloggable, the managing editor. We will welcome him in a bit. First, uh, the Bulls are now 20-40, and 40, uh, 20 games under five hundred now. They've lost twice this week. They lost the heartbreaker to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They were getting their ass beat. They were down 23 in the first half. They made a huge comeback behind Zach Levine and Kobe White. Kobe White continuing to play very well. Falled 124-122 to 122 after a, uh, a desperate Zach Levine heave was a bit off. Zach hit some ridiculous shots in the fourth quarter to keep the Bulls in it, but they ended up losing. And then they went and got in. They had a bunch of, I think they had three or four days off, and then they got their ass embarrassed by the Knicks on Saturday. 125 to 115. They got smoked in the paint. They gave up like 70 some points in the paint. Uh, Zach Levine had some comments afterwards, just like the general frustration in the locker room, evident after this game. Zach Levine talking about them needing to change in the offseason. Uh, just obviously, it's a very frustrated locker room. Not the Bulls are twenty and forty. They're like, I think they're six and a half games out of the playoffs. I don't. Even, there's really even no point in even mentioning that stuff anymore, uh, since they're again, yeah, six and a half out, six and a half games behind the Brooklyn Nets at this point. The Magic have moved up to the seventh seed. They're seven games behind the Magic. So basically, again, yeah, the Bulls lost season. More terrible stuff. Uh, Ricky, uh, I mean, I guess we really have. It's it's the same old, same old now with the Bulls. Yeah, it is sort of nice that 
if the season ended right now, they would be the seventh pick once again. So we yeah. have ended on the perfect note. They accomplished that after losing to the Knicks. Uh, Matt, I was going back and reading the post that you wrote about Jim Boylan earlier this week. I think he gave these comments before the Thunder game where Correct. Boylan basically gave a self-assessment saying, hey, I'm not so bad. What you're seeing, uh, you know, w- what's happening behind closed doors is – you know, a lot better than that. what the outside public thinks it is. Uh, so, Matt, I thought that you just really hit the nail on the head on that post. And uh, one thing you did was quote his statement at the beginning of the season when Boylan said, our goals for the season are to make the playoffs. There's no way we're going to stand up here and say, hey, I hope we can win 10 more games or I hope we can be better. We want to get to the mountaintop. Matt, is there anything more embarrassing than trying to be the 2020 Orlando Magic? Like, that's the mountaintop for the Bulls. And they can't even be true to themselves about how they've uh, been able to assess their performance to this point. Right, and I think even funnier than that is, like, he didn't even go for, like, the arbitrary improvement in games to say we were 10 games ever he's saying we're not even winning more games but our shot profile is good and i think our defense looks better and those kind of things i mean so when boylan said that before the beginning of the season and i think that was the last time i was on um and yeah welcome i'm welcoming myself back uh now later in the season now that it's like toast um but i guess it's good to do like a kind of post-mortem already like because like as as Jason said, the playoffs is officially like gone. That's not happening anymore. So going back to what Boylan said preseason, and it was kind of that was actually like a point where we were actually like in favor of what Boylan was talking for for, for once. It wasn't just like total nonsense. And he actually stepped up to a point where he was sitting next to Paxson and Foreman when he said that, and they kind of agreed with him, and they were kind of like forced to agree with him. In that, I'm not sure Paxson and Foreman would have even brought up playoffs, but. Boylan did, and they kind of said, like, yeah, okay, let's let's go with that. And now to totally backtrack on that, it's kind of just shameless. And it just kind of goes back to why I never liked the, the Boylan hire in the first place. And, and and I know, like, a lot of it is try not to look too much at what he says and try to focus on what he does as a coach, and he's a crappy coach. So we can kind of move on back, back to what he's saying. And he's just like a – he's just a con man. And uh, he, he, like, pumped his way up into this job, getting the extension. He managed to dupe Paxson and – Michael Reinsdorf by being like this tough guy that they really thought Bulls basketball is supposed to be about. So he got the extension that way, and now he's just continuing with it. And now, just trying through the media to say, like, you know, everything's fine. Um, it's not my fault we're bad. It's it's the injuries or it's player performance. Like, I'm designing this offense to get them good shots. They're just not hitting them. I've designed this uh, crazy defensive scheme that actually did produce some results, but I think we all know it was kind of a mirage. And so he's just trying to pump himself back up to, to keep the job. And, and I think it might actually work. Yeah, Boylan ended his statement by saying, quote, nobody in this organization said to me, you got to win this many games. Nobody said to me, hey, we're going to talk about wins and losses all year. Not one time have they said that to me. So I, you know, we'll talk about Boylan being a bullshitter, but I think he's telling the truth in that regard because I don't think the Paxson actually wants to look at, you know, what the results of his decision have been. So uh, that sort of segues into... The rumors that the Bulls are going to add a GM uh, over this offseason while still keeping around the same old clowns that have been here for the last, what, 15 or more years with Guy Foreman, with John Paxson, with Jim Paxson, with Doug Collins. Uh, 
Matt, do you think that like this boiling thing is going to be the first true test for a GM to see how much power he has? Because everything that we've heard is that the old guard, the guys who are currently running the franchise, are still totally behind Boylan. But you would think uh, if they hire a GM who even has like one percent, uh, you know, belief in his own ability to do the job, you have to fire Boylan is the very first thing you do. The first day you take the job, you should be firing Boylan. Right. I think. I think that would be like. Yeah, that'd be like bare minimum to like a new, you know, if they want to say like this is a new voice, well, clearly it's going to be like, and it's an easy decision too. You're just like fire this bozo, get someone <laughs> else in, do an actual coaching, coaching search. You'll get some goodwill with the fans doing that. And that's like the bare minimum. And definitely, as, as you pointed out, Ricky, in your piece of Destination, like that, that's totally not enough. Like the fact that Paxson is even like involved at all in hiring the, the the quote new voice in in the organization is ridiculous and the idea that the Reinsdorfs have this complete faith in Paxson like so if if for if Hoiberg was Gar Foreman's guy because they you know they shared a real estate transaction and grew up together in Ames well I mean Boylan is clearly John Paxson's guy he mean he's every time in public he's repeatedly doubled down on how he believes in Boylan's tactics and Boylan's attitude and again I think Boylan kind of con Paxson in a way by Paxson's the one who's the one who started with this like spirit nonsense and when he fired Hoiberg and then Boylan just like lashed out into that he says like okay I'm gonna do that like I'm a I'm a true believer John like we're both like hardcore basketball guys and we'll teach these young guys how to play the right way or whatever and so I mean the idea that Boylan is like this abysmal failure and to my my opinion even worse than Hoiberg and that does not get like latched on to John Paxson is, it's ridiculous to me I mean if, if Foreman's getting like forced out more or less or, or like forced away into like a like a scouting office like deep in the basement of the advocate center well i mean so why doesn't paxton get that same treatment for hiring jim boylan and and worse he's going to hire the guy who's going to fire boylan and somehow that's not going to touch paxton it's it's totally it doesn't make any sense at all and i think the fact that paxton like hires somebody that fires boylan like that will engender some goodwill don't get me wrong and i'll be happy that boylan's out of there but I mean, the idea that they're just going to get a, a voice, but it won't be a well-paid voice, and it won't be much someone with much power, obviously, if Paxson and Collins and all these guys are still around, let alone potentially calling the shots. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And one thing we've mentioned before is, I mean, these guys have been around for so damn long. Ricky just said 15 years. I mean, Paxson has been there for, what, 17 years now, like basically running? Like, he should not get to hire another coach, especially since, like you mentioned, Matt, that Boylan is, like, his guy. So have Boylan flame out spectacularly. After all of this time that he's been around already, like it's just absolutely insane. Although Boylan, he said I, one other thing he said I think at the end of this, these ridiculous comments he made was that he he'd be surprised if he was fired. And it's like that you are, I mean obviously like you said he's just trying to con his upper management, yeah, his and bosses think, into keeping him and right. Like, and I think in this case, I think it'll actually it may actually like turn against them. I think if a new guy does come in, I think part of it will be like well. You know, the, the fans don't think you have power, but we're going to show them and give you the power to hire your own coach. Um, so, I mean, it'll be like a bare minimum. It will it will be a good thing, but I think poor uh, poor Boylan's going to get get lopped off in this thing. But, I mean, I guess, I mean, this is like his only opportunity, so he's going to he's gonna try to, you know, go down fighting. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's ever going to get – I mean, I said that about Vinny Del Negro too, but he, he got one, and Tim Floyd got another one, but I really don't think Jim Boylan's getting another head coaching job. Um, I mean, it's just kind of crazy that they hired him in the first place. I mean, I like the, the history of like college coaches like him. I know Boylan's been an NBA assistant since then, but Boylan wasn't even like a successful college coach. Like at least Hoiberg was somewhat successful. John Beeline was like very successful. And like they had the same trappings of dealing with NBA players, 
Boylan's having these problems, and he wasn't even like good as a college coach. So it's just it's just it's just wild that they're gonna. I think they're gonna get rid of him, but I mean, I guess we still have to be vigilant in like all of his quotes. I know. I mean, it's kind of interesting that the the broadcast partner NBC Sports Chicago is like no longer even tweeting out what Boylan says after games anymore because it's like too embarrassing. And I I think they're just re- trying to rely on the apathy of the fan base. And um, I mean, it works in some respects because people like less people are paying attention, no doubt. I mean, I'm paying attention less for sure, and I'm like Same. supposed to really care about this. Yeah. Um, so I mean hopefully Boylan can't just like skate on like injury excuses and like giving him like he's a, you know, a rookie head coach. So we're supposed to give him time. I mean, it was ridiculous to hire him. It was even more ridiculous to extend him, given the evidence that we had last year and keeping him around after this year would just be, it would just be negligence. And then like, I would hope that a new person in the front office would at least put a stop to it. Um, and then, you know, worse, like let's get like the league involved to try and like stop this from happening. Yeah. I mean, I think in this case, maybe all-star weekend being in Chicago might help the bulls in this regard, because just a light just shined on them. Just how about how big of a joke they are. Obviously like we covered it at bloggable ton. Ricky, you wrote about it at the mothership. Just, just how the bulls were just a complete joke. And like management was totally absent. Uh, Zach Levine had the whole, the first take thing. Uh, just in the fa- Randall Carter Jr. I think had that there was that viral video of somebody like ch- yelling fire Boylan and he was just like, laughing. Ricky, when you asked Wendell Carter Jr. about Boylan, he laughed. Like there's just so much out there where that Boylan is just a complete laughing stock and with All Star Weekend like just humiliation as well. Like I think that should be enough to like push him out at least. Again, like the front office stuff. Who knows what they actually do here? But uh, was, before the, before we actually just started this pod, Ricky thought that maybe that Boylan would stick around because they're not going to change enough enough in the front office and they're going to end up keeping him because Paxson's still that voice. Ricky, right now, would you would you say that you you would think that Boylan is in or out next season? Put I mean, on he's got to get fired just on merit alone. Yeah. Like, he's been absolutely humiliating. Uh, it's something every week with this franchise, whether it's the timeout conversation, whether it's the idiotic quotes he's given before or after games. He finds a new way to embarrass himself every week. My question is, what does Paxson believe that Boylan actually does well? Like, for me, Paxson likes Boylan because he makes the work environment easier for Paxson because he's on Paxson's side with everything. He's constantly kissing Paxson's ass, whereas every other coach that Paxson's had has known that Paxson's full of shit. Boylan just keeps going with the company line because, at the end of the day, Boylan's probably well aware he's not going to get another opportunity being a head coach at the NBA level. So uh, he just has to try to, you know, be the ultimate company man in riding it out. What I'm curious is, is Paxson so delusional that he actually believes that Boylan has made tangible strides with this group? Or is Paxson just like, well, you know, fuck me, we're a disaster. Uh, At least I can go into work every day and have a harmonious work environment with the guy who is directly under me, the guy I hired, just because Boylan kisses up all the time. Yeah, and apparently Boylan's very open to feedback and said, oh, I talked to John after games. He mentions John, everyone by first name, John and Gar and Doug, after they whenever asked about how much support he has from the organization. Yeah, I think that's part of it in that Paxson is like, well, I don't have I don't have the stones to actually coach or like the will to actually do it. So let me get a guy who I can try and boss around at least and who's like amenable to my suggestions, which are from, you know, 1989. And I got Doug Collins here to reinforce me. And it's like so that so there's the stories about all these stories that came out after the All-Star game about the new voice and that the, they're trying to hire and Michael Reinsworth really, you know, glad handing and pounding the pavement, trying to find this new guy. But it's like, so part of the reason Gar Foreman's getting shuttled out, according to Joe Colley's reporting, like the who's on the uh, fire Gar Foreman beat is like that. Okay. So Doug Collins didn't like 
Fred Hoiberg as a coach and thought that, okay, that, that was Gar Foreman's guy. Clearly, Gar doesn't know what he's doing. But it's like, but if if their response to that was to hire and extend Jim Boylan, what does that say about Doug Collins' ability to evaluate coaching? What does that say about John Paxson's ability to evaluate coaching? I mean, the idea that we're still trusting these guys as as um, like good at their jobs just because they were like Doug Collins was good in the '90s and and John Paxson had a good run with the uh, the Baby Bulls in 2003 and then lucked into Derrick Rose. I mean, like that's what they're still holding on to and. I think like it's just a whole organization of people who will never work again, <laughs> and so everyone's just trying to like find, to hold on to this job because they know this is it. Like Gar Foreman's never going to work in the NBA again if he if he left the Bulls. John Paxson, I think, wouldn't want to work in the NBA again, and I think he has no ambition to uh, to run an NBA. Like if he was offered a job with another team, I don't think he would take it. I don't think he cares to build a winning basketball team. I think he just wants to make Uncle Jerry happy and cash millions of dollars and work for the Reinsdorfs. I think if he was shown the door, he would never set foot in the NBA again. I don't think he – it doesn't matter to him. Who, I mean, he doesn't care about winning basketball games. He just wants to be like a leader of the Chicago Bulls and work for Jerry Reinsdorf. That's like his grand ambition in life. So between him, Foreman, I mean, Collins wouldn't work in the NBA again except maybe an, a, an advisor to some other like old person he befriended a while ago. I mean, and Boylan would never get another job again. All these guys are just like totally overpromoted, and they're not – there's not credible anymore. And I think they're just desperately clinging to their own jobs. So these rumors about a new voice that, but are being hired by the old voices. I mean, you'll, the kind of pr- the proof in that they're not going to hire anyone significant is in the rumors of the names and the price. So instead of like, so the rumored name would be Chad Buchanan, who's the assistant GM of the Indiana Pacers. So we're going to go after the number two guy at the number like 14 franchise in the number 27 market or whatever. Like that's, that's the kind of guys they're looking at to, to, to like add to this staff. And I think adding voices to the staff is ultimately a good thing, but why aren't we, if, if they love the Indiana Pacers culture so much, why not go after Kevin Pritchard? Why don't we see crazy names out there? Why aren't they going after Masai Ujiri to say like, you know, lead the Chicago freaking bulls. Like we're, a top organization. We're like one of the glamour franchises in this league. We should be getting the top talent to actually run this thing, but they're setting their sights way lower, way more provincial. They don't care to be the Chicago bulls. They want to be the Indiana Pacers. They're like, Oh, they they got a great uh, culture and a low payroll. And, and guys seem to really think they try hard and like that, that's what we want. And let's hire their number two guy. I mean, who, who worked at Portland for a while too, and, and traded us uh, Tyrus Thomas for the Marcus Aldridge. Like, let's get that guy. I mean, it's just, I mean, maybe Chad Buchanan is a great, uh, maybe he has the credentials, but it just seems like they're aiming low. So, I mean, if they're aiming low, they're probably going to, you know, they're probably going to get someone low. And then that'll be someone who not only has, you know, low authority around the league compared to, you know, like Pat Riley, but also is just not going to be able to usurp John Paxson. So they're just getting someone who will fit in under them and not rock the boat too much. To me, this all comes back to Michael Reinsdorf being completely incompetent because Jerry's so checked out at this point that I do think that Michael would have enough authority to make actual moves within the Bulls' front office structure, i.e., actually firing Paxson. I think that, you know, if anyone could get Paxson fired, it would be Michael Reinsdorf. But I have to say, everything I've seen out of Michael Reinsdorf's mouth at this point uh, and how he's carried himself since he's taken on this, uh, you know, leadership position within the Bulls is that this guy's totally incompetent, too. Like, you could be happy that Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, potentially is 
not really going to be the lead decision maker for the Bulls anymore, and it's nice to have someone else. But what has Michael Reinsdorf done or shown us that's going to lead us to believe that he's going to be any better? And with bad ownership, this is going to continue to be a franchise that uh, just is not the world-class team that they should be. Yeah, and I actually disagree, Ricky. I don't think he does have the authority to fire Paxson. I think he has no authority. I think he's a joke, and I think they just put him in, in like charge of the car wash and figure he can't screw it up. I mean, like we've we've seen in the past how Jerry Reinsdorf treats his baseball team versus his basketball team. He thinks the basketball team's just an easy business, so even his son can run it, and he runs the business. And apparently, according to business expert like uh, Joe Colley, who thinks like Michael Reinsdorf's doing great stuff behind the scenes, like on the business side, and he just needs to take the reins of the basketball side. He has no authority to take reins of the basketball side. He has to run everything by his dad. If he had to fire John Paxson, I, I'm I'm convinced of it. I until he actually like did it, I I would be convinced that he can't. Because, I mean, what else do you need to know? And as you point out, Ricky, it would be, like, such an easy move for him to, like, take over and, like, show goodwill to the fans. Like, okay, the, like, so my dad's not in charge anymore. I'm in charge. And I don't, I'm not beholden to John Paxson. So let's fire him. It's an easy decision. Everyone will be happy. Even John Paxson will be happy because he doesn't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so, like, let's just, get, let's just get on with it and move on and, like, move on to a new era. But instead he's holding on, and I think he's holding on because he has to. I don't think he could fire Paxson, he, I don't even sure he can handle um, firing Doug Collins. I think like they, like Paxson had um, like Doug weep to Jerry and say like, oh, I want to come in and help and bring the Bulls back. And that, so that's why he's on board. It's like, it's ridiculous. I mean, and John, and John Paxson's brother's there and, you know, Gar Foreman's wife is friends with Michael Reinsdorf's wife. And it's all just like, I don't the think cronies. there's any actual like authority that Michael Reinsdorf has. I think he just is the COO and he runs the business and they let John Paxson, the, you know, the basketball you know, mind master, figure out the basketball side. And I don't think he actually has the authority to touch John Paxson. I just don't think he knows anything. Like, to me, he's in the best position to get John Paxson fired. Like, if anyone could make the plea to his dad, it's him. Uh, But, like, I've heard in conversations with people around the team over the last few years, like, he was going to Scottie Pippen for advice on basketball matters. Like, I just don't think that Michael Reinsdorf knows anything about basketball. And I think that Michael Reinsdorf is so clueless that he actually believes that Paxson is competent and has the team on the right track, which is, you know, where this all really falls apart. Like, I mean, and we we heard last year when Michael Reinsdorf had like these comments in the media, they were just like so clueless and he was like self-owning himself constantly about how confused he was about everything. I'm confused. Why do you call them guard packs? They're not the same person. I'm confused why people don't think John Pax is doing a good job. He did a good job when he drafted Chris (laughs) Duhon 15 years ago. I mean, this is what, this is like the, the way these guys, they're, they're still holding on to this like post Kraus era where John Paxson did, he did a competent job. He didn't do like a fantastic job. I remember Reinsdorf like bizarrely used the term tripped for that team when that team like fell to get Derrick Rose in the lottery because they were terrible. And the Ben Wallace signing when they said, oh, well, you know, he was the top free agent last year, that year. Well, yeah, he was a disaster and you should have people like running basketball operations who know like not to avoid those kind of mistakes. And, you know, obviously the mistakes in the past five years are they're trying to pass those off as minor or before that they pin those on Gar Foreman. But even like this grand era of John Paxson led basketball was not that great and certainly not worth keeping around this long. I mean, the whole like, the, what does somebody mean? like, what does he like have? Why does he, why, what's the problem with firing him? Like why, why does he have to stay? It, One, he's he's yeah. not won a title. 
I mean, he's I mean, he's not like built all these winners. He's not no one likes him. Like the fans don't like him, so I don't understand why he has to be kept on board except that Jerry Reinsdorf likes him and like Jerry still likes to assert control and that's what I I still think he has ultimate control over this. 1993 baby, game 6, hitting that hitting that shot against the Suns has bought him 10 years too long as runner, running the Bulls. I I was yeah, and it, well and, and yeah. to uh Ricky's point about Michael Reiser not like knowing anyone around the league. I think that's I think that's really true, and and it, it is kind of a tough situation to kind of put yourself in. Like who who would he go to talk to to get John Paxson fired? You know, like who is he gonna try and like go around Paxson's back? Someone he's known, you know, for however long. And um, clearly they, you know, I, I think there's more of a, an authority figure of Paxson over Michael Reiser. If anything, I bet that's more of the power dynamic. So I don't know who he's gonna talk to, like. Is he gonna like reach way back and go to like Rod Thorne or someone, or bring like Jerry Colangelo on board? Like, oh God, no. I know, like in the NFL, don't they have like the, these sage guys who like help the owners find people to run the basketball team? But I mean, it could be as easy as just you know find someone who's already good at it at a good franchise, but not the Chicago freaking Bulls, and say, hey, run the Bulls. We're gonna give you a ton of money, and let's do it. But I, I think, and I know uh, last week Brian Windhorst was on AM One Thousand, and he said. He wouldn't give any names, but he said based on based on the people he did here, he wouldn't give specific names, but he said they were not high-priced people. They were all first-time general managers. So I think that's what they're looking for. They're looking for someone to work under Paxson or alongside Paxson, not someone to replace Paxson. And I think it's it, that's something difficult to like try to find someone to like run your whole basketball team when you don't know anyone around the league to do it. But, I mean, you kind of could just you know target someone and poach them. Yeah, I I don't know what they're do. You, is there you mentioned like you go after your jury? Is there anybody you'd l- like to go after in terms of the front office or even as coach? Like I I'm I'm like bad at this stuff. Like I, you yeah, know, I mean it's such I'm a crapshoot. Like, I'm a fraud blog boy. It. I don't have any actual solutions. Yeah. I just uh, complain. But I mean, <laughs> so like you'll hear. I know David Kaplan's floated out Sam Presti. Sure, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, anyone who's had like sustained success and can work within the margins of a small market. I mean, just the. Uh, you would think that, oh, if you work with the Bulls, that'd be a big market, but I think the Bulls would still constrain any GM to like operate like a small market. So I guess it would be beneficial if that person has had success with uh, with financial constraints because then they could like move forward with those same constraints. And maybe that's part of their philosophy with going after Chad Buchanan, who's worked in uh, like Charlotte, Indiana, and Portland. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like just get 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 uh, Mike Zarin from the Boston Celtics. I mean, he's always mentioned as a name. He's probably waiting around for that Celtics job, but you know, the Bulls should be a good job. I think if you know, the the idea that no one would take the job, I think someone would take the job because it's, you know, there's only 30 out there and the Bulls are still like a, a solid franchise. So I mean, you don't have to like totally cut costs. Uh, you might have to sell a draft pick or two, but you don't have to <laughs> like keep a super low payroll. And I think but I mean, if they're only looking for guys who are like going to be their first job as GM, then, you know, you're, you're running a risk of like what, what you're going to get. And I think it just shows a lack of ambition, which is, that, that's, that's what really gets to me is like there, it's just showing, even if it works out, like obviously Tom Thibodeau was a first time head coach and it worked out great, but it was still like a lack of ambition to get someone who's good and like someone, you know, is like bankable. And then you have to actually like pay for, otherwise you, when you keep doing stuff like with coaching, you get someone like Jim Boylan, who's unproven, but he's not a Tibbs. He's, he's going to be a bust as a head coach. So I want to go back to the business genius, Mike Reinsdorf, because uh, this guy's got the magic touch with business, that's for sure. At least that's what they're telling us. However, the Bulls are now 11th in attendance, in capacity attendance. They're 24th 
in percentage of a t capacity attendance. So uh, this is a disaster, Matt. This is something, this is a problem they haven't had before since they've been owning the franchise. Like every year the Bulls are top one, top two in attendance. Uh, so I'm curious, like, what do, do you think that the attendance is an actual issue for the Ron Surf? Do you think that this is actually hurting their bottom line and that perhaps this is motivating the search for a new GM? Or do you think that it's almost coming from Paxson, who wants a new GM, just so that he doesn't have to talk to the media? Because that's my theory on this, is that I think Paxson totally embraces the fact that, oh yeah, we're going to hire a new GM. That idea might even be coming from Paxson, mostly so he doesn't have to talk to reporters, he doesn't have to go on the score during Christmas, he doesn't have to be the public face of the organization, because at this point, everyone fucking hates him, everyone in the media calls him out for his bullshit constantly, and people are referring to him by name when they're talking about, you know, the deep-seated problems with the franchise, which, you know, wasn't always the case when we started beating the drum on fire gar packs now it's really more of an accepted mainstream idea yeah i think i think gar foreman was a bit of a shield for him for a while when he wanted to retire the first time and he got promoted instead and i think it just like in the time since then in these media interviews i mean not only does he indicate that he hates doing like anything fan facing through the media it, it's clear that he hates like the modern nba all he, he just complains about the the salaries and he complains about dealing with agents and he complains about um what the well, last year was with the buyout market he was he, he didn't like that and and it's just like and all this i think his general attitude around like scouting and development too i don't think he doesn't like the aau system he calls all these draft kids uh draft prospects kids and how they have to be they don't like know as much when they come into the league and that's really difficult for him as the freaking vice president of basketball operations to build a basketball team with all these kids and yeah, so I think he would. Act, I think you're right. I think part of it is that he doesn't want to do the job anymore. Um, and I and it's it's just it's just bizarre to me that as a kind of admitting that to to ownership, instead of you know being you know saying okay, well if you don't want the job anymore, like don't take it. They're like, oh good, we'll get we'll get someone to work under you, but you can still stay on board. I mean, the guy clearly doesn't want to do it anymore. He hates it. He doesn't like how the NBA is going. So just get, you know, kind of just like let him go. So yeah, I think part of it might be uh, like Paxson saying, you know, let's obviously I can't use Gar anymore as a shield, uh, so let's get someone else to kind of like deflect for me. The attendance now, I think that is that is something worthwhile to pay attention to because I think they were feeling it last year a bit. It wasn't like reflected in the in the numbers, but it was clearly an issue with season ticket holders canceling. And we had those stories come out where Michael Reisdorf was reaching out to people. Boylan. Jim Boylan was getting people lunch and inviting them to practice. And they were getting some renewals that way. But now it's, you know, it kind of carried over into this year to now where, you know, a lot of those people did cancel. And then a lot of the walk-ups are gone. And, I mean, I'm doing my part. I haven't gone this year. No, it's not like a protest or anything. I really just haven't gone because they suck and I don't want to watch them. But, I mean, I think that's the attitude around a lot of the city. And, they, and it's not just the attendance. It's like, they're not on TVs and bars ever. Like there's no buzz about them at all because they have, they're, they're no good and they have no real star. And, and it, it's just, so I think that is a problem because they're trying to sell, you know, they're, they're going to do okay in attendance regardless selling the cor cor corporate suites and the packages that way. But I mean, clearly there's been a slide and I think they need, they need that backfill of, of, like more casual fans to actually buy these tickets and stay interested in the team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing we were just talking about here is kind of how John Paxson may, might hate the modern NBA. And part of that is like the load management, resting guys. 
And something I think we've seen this season, uh, in terms of, I think Boylan plays in this as well, is the mindset when it comes to injuries and like playing through it. We just saw it again with Kobe White this week. He suffered a, a back injury uh, before a practice, sat out of practice, and then Boylan, who apparently was like not supposed to talk to talk about injuries anymore, but he kind of was talking about injuries recently because there have been a million of them. Uh, basically, said something he's like, "Well, he's gonna he can fight through <laughs> this." This is something we also heard about Chandler Hutchinson, and his shoulder injury has never gotten better. He's out again now. I don't even know if he's going to be back this season. He's. I don't think they've given an update on that. Uh, we kind of saw with Lowry at the beginning of the season as well, where he was this whole like I want to play eighty two games, and he was kind of fighting through some weird like they were super weird about those injuries and then all and then finally they decided to sit him down and who knows if he even comes back this season with this hip this hip injury which apparently he could play through if it was the playoffs but if he kept playing it would end up being like a stress fracture I don't just but there have been weird stuff with the injuries and the whole mindset of like well you can just like tough it out and play through it which is kind of like another an old school mindset where like rub some dirt on it you can play through it if you're not if you if you can walk you can play through it or stuff like that we're obviously in the modern NBA, like with load management, with guy with over long seasons, be be more careful with guys. I feel like that's definitely been a huge issue, Matt. Have you seen that issue? Do you have a problem with that? Do you think that's a problem with like John Pax and Jim Boylan's mindset? Yeah, and I think that's another way that they're aligned. And I think like we're talking about how Jim Boylan is very much John Paxson's coach, and I think the attitude towards injuries is part of it. And I'm not even sure it is like you know the training staff, and they've had this, they've had multiple overhauls of the training staff, and these injuries are still happening. I'm not sure it's something like technically wrong with the training staff. It might be, I think it's, I think it's more like a general mindset and it starts from the top. So I think when you see John Paxson talk about how, how his disdain for load management and just that whole attitude of playing through injuries instead of avoiding them, uh, when you, when you are hurt, just don't play. And Jim Boylan taking that. And of course he's going to do anything that John Paxson says. So of course he's saying, okay, boss, like that's how you want it. That's how I like it too. I, you know, I, did rivets in Grand Rapids or whatever the fuck his like backstory is about him being a hard scrabble guy. So so he pushes it onto his players and like Chandler Hutchinson said it before or when he came back after the All Star break he said, well we we I was hurt but we wanted to push it through to before the All Star break to see to see if it would like see if I could play through it and then I'm now I'm hurt and I have to sit out after the All Star break. It's like. I mean, it's one thing, especially if they were like actually fighting for the playoffs right. or anything. But I mean, in another lost season, it really makes no sense. And even in training camp, they were talking about you know guys wanting to play all eighty-two games, and like, and then not only the that like declaration, but the admiration for it from owner, from um, management, from coaching, and even from like the beat writers and stuff. Like, oh, it's really admirable that these guys want to play all eighty-two games. And then, like, like maybe on its face, yes, but like smarter teams out there are not saying stuff like that. It's kind of like when Jimmy Butler said, like, I had a bet with my trainer to like play all eighty-two games. Like, what are we like? What are we even doing here? Like, like let's be like a little bit smarter about this. And I think especially in a in a lost season like this, and I think. That was kind of partly what happened with Markkinen is that they and they and it's kind of a bizarre for them to say like well if it was the playoffs he would play right, but now yeah. that we're not like now that we're not good, we're not like in that kind of like high pressure environment he doesn't have to play but it's like still kind of calling him out like they did with Luol Deng all those years ago about active rest and I think they just still have like this backwards attitude and we saw it last year when they referenced okay the injuries are because they're not spending enough time training in the building and they're going off and doing their own thing yet another part of the modern nba that john paxson doesn't like and that's that's players like training by themselves away from the the watch of the team i mean it's just it's just backwards and they're just like they're not they're not keeping up with the times and like paxson got a guy in boylan who will just like 
you know, kind of manifest it on the court to where guys like Kobe White are thinking, well, I got to play through this bad back. And I know Wendell Carter came back from his uh, ankle injury uh, just last night. And then afterwards said, well, you know, it was sore and I had to just play through it. And, and it's like, no, you really don't have to just play through it. We could, we could be smarter about this and like take more time off if, if you're hundred percent healthy. I know part of it is like, yes, you want to try to, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured and playing through like aches and pains as part of the NBA. It's 82 games. You're going to like screw up your legs during the way. But I think just like in general, this, this whole attitude, and this, again, it starts from the top. It starts with John Paxson, like a, a you know, a self self-professed hard scrabble guy to, to uh, Jim Boylan and like trying to push this onto the players that I just don't, I don't, it, it's one thing to be backwards. And then it's another to be like, so prideful about it. It's like, they're like, they're, they're so happy about being like, we're, you know, I know the rest of the league does it this way, but we're the Chicago Bulls and we do it this way. And then everyone gets hurt. And then, well, we can't evaluate our guys. Uh, Matt, I know that John Paxson, who's a total coward, can't evaluate his own young core because they haven't been on the court enough together. Well, uh, we fortunately, we are able to evaluate the young core because we have uh, some some eyes and some ears and can make decisions for ourselves and aren't scared to put it all out there. So, Matt, I'm interested in your evaluation of the young core. Of course, Kobe White has had some really good games lately, three 30-point games in a row, dropped 22 in the loss to the Knicks. Uh, so he's potentially looking solid. At least he, you know, I think that it, it's encouragement for his development to have some big games, even amid uh, a generally rough rookie year. Uh, Levine, I think Levine's a pretty good player in a bad role. He's obviously talented. He's put up big numbers. Uh, I think, you know, the the book on him is is out there, but he's definitely not a terrible player. And then, you know, coming into next year, you're going to have a make-or-break season for Lowry Markinen. He's definitely going to have a ton of pressure on him. You're going to have Wendell Carter in year three. He's been very good defensively uh, when he has been on the court. So, I'm just curious of your evaluation of the young core, Matt. Would you like want to see these guys kept together? Do you think start flipping some of these pieces for assets? Uh, you know, like what do you think of uh, of this young core right now? Uh, I will. You know, I, I'm kind of copping out a bit because I do think it is tough to evaluate. Don't I mean? I think the fact that they're not all together makes it tough. But I mean, part of that is you know, if you're not available, we got to basically go off what we do see. And it, it's, I think they're guys who are g- potentially good, but nothing special and nothing worth like having to keep on. And I think it, it would be tough to like say, okay, flip them because what are you going to flip them for veterans? Are you going to flip them for draft picks? And that's kind of like based on the whole like direction of the franchise. Like, are we going to go back into another rebuild? Are we going to try to like absorb some contracts and get more uh, assets and draft picks? But I mean, individually as players, I mean, it's just, it is not only tough to, uh, look at these guys and think they're doing well in these lost seasons, but also having Jim Boylan as coach. It's like it was just such a monumental screw up to have a young team and you do uh, get some veterans around them, but then you saddle them with this rookie coach who clearly doesn't know what he's doing and it kind of like throws everything out, up. So, I mean, we looked at last February and we saw, oh, you know, they had this like 500 February, which was great shakes because they, they made half their threes and Otto Porter was like shooting out of his mind and they won half their games. And that was like this great momentum swing and going into the season. And we're seeing it again a little bit here, except without the wins. But you do see some like small, like individual victories, like Kobe White scoring outbursts. But I mean, this is like NBA February. This means nothing. And, and like bad teams all the time go on runs. I mean, the Phoenix Suns do it every year where they have like a good 10 game stretch and they don't 
Well, maybe they do because they're a bad franchise too. But I mean, you shouldn't use that to like, uh, like make that your evaluation. So I think, so I think part of it is like, okay, yeah, you you can, say you can't evaluate, but then stick to it and say like, okay, we can't evaluate, and we also can't evaluate that these guys are good either. So I don't think there's, I think there's been no determination that Lowry Markin is that good, that Kobe White's that good, that Wendell Carter is that good. They just haven't proven it not only for long enough, but in like the important parts of the season where like all the teams are trying and intact. I mean, if we see it in February, I mean, like it doesn't really matter. And like seeing like John Paxson say, we're going to use the last 20 games of the season when Otto Porter gets back to like really get a look at these guys. I mean, that's like, that's junk time. It's basically extended garbage time. And I think, I'm not even sure it's going to happen because they're going to realize they're out of it and then they're going to basically tank and keep guys out then. So, I mean, so what is he going to say then? I guess we just had a whole another season where we don't know what we have in Lowry marketing. I think I think you're right, Rick. Like we can, like they should be able to evaluate, and we can evaluate. And I think honestly, the evaluation is that they haven't proven that they're that good, right? So I mean, so why not? There's nothing like where you have to like where you're beholden to keep these guys as like parts of the core. I I have no like allegiance to keeping the Zach Levine, Lowry Markin, and uh, Wendell Carter, Kobe White core together. If you can get something of value for them now. I mean, again, it kind of depends on what you want to do as a franchise. If you want to like move your window to get uh, younger players and draft picks, or if you want to try to get someone more established, I'm not against trying to consolidate to get like a, maybe a undervalued star. I think that would take an actual good GM to, <laughs> to kind of find that, that star who's undervalued, basically find another Jimmy Butler and like, who's unhappy. Now, of course, in Jimmy's case, he was actually perfectly happy here and they traded him anyway. But I mean, someone who they could they could say you know this person will we'll give up a few of our quote unquote assets our core and they actually get a, a star in here to kind of build around that person because I think part of the problem it's the coaching not being evaluated but also no one able to dominate the ball who will get guys in good shots and I think Zach Levine does like a passable job at it but he's just not the playmaker enough to really move the team Thomas Sandaransky is a decent veteran but he's more of like a caretaker so you really had no one to like kind of organize everybody. And and take take on like the the serious um, scoring load while also doing some playmaking. I think Zach Levine is proven himself as a shot maker, but I mean honestly, you'd think with that they would have managed to beat a single team in the East playoff picture this whole year. I mean, it's kind of a I mean going back to just circle back to Boylan for a bit about his about his like lack of disappointment in the season and like how he sees encouragement and wants to push out negativity and how, you know, they lose to New York and the, the the players are upset. They should be more upset. They haven't gotten a single like good win this whole season. It should, it's the NBA. It should happen like by accident. And especially with Zach Levine, like hitting crazy shots all the time. I mean, the, the idea of this hasn't happened. I almost kind of hope it continues all year just because it would be a pretty hilarious like mark on Jim Boylan's record that he had no good wins all season except one like a couple the Grizzlies are better than we thought when the Bulls beat them and they had that win over the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard but I mean to go over against the top eight in the east is just like it's just like hilarious how how like poorly it reflects on this whole team and like it just shows like okay yeah if these guys are individually that good like why can't they even like luck their way into a win yeah, it's absolutely it's crazy. Like I, yeah, the, the the whole Zach thing. Like obviously, great level score. Zach Lowe wrote about about his playmaking has kind of gone away. So like, he needs miscast as number one option. We've talked about that. The, the other injuries like poor, I don't even know what's going on with Otto Porter Jr. Like, 
and his whole situation is like he's got the player option thing. Like I, I don't know what's even going on there. Like I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure he's just completely slow playing coming back. He's been, he's been out what four months now. Three. We're almost approaching four months with him. Lowry, Darnell Mayberry said that he, he's he'd kind of be surprised if he Lowry comes back at this point. And like, if it, if this is a thing where like the hip injury like could get worse if he keeps playing, like it wouldn't surprise me if he just sits out. So yeah, who knows if we're even gonna see this evaluation time? I, I was thinking about this whole this off season about how they're just gonna. They're probably just gonna like roll it all back. They'll try out a new coach, and then because they thought this core is still pretty good, and they're gonna try it out again because they didn't get to see it with all these injuries, and they'll just roll roll it back next year. I don't know. We'll we'll see about that. When we talk about uh, one one of these guys, Wendell Carter Jr., we'll wrap up here with this last bit. He there were some quotes out today uh, about how he wants to play more power forward. Uh, I feel like that is kind of crazy in today's NBA. I mean, he's. He's, I guess, somewhat undersized as a center. He's like 6'9", 6'10". He is pretty heavy. He's got a pretty big wingspan. He's obviously not the most athletic guy. We have seen the Bulls have some issues uh, rebounding and uh, doing stuff in the paint. I wouldn't really put put that all on Carter. When he was healthy, he was doing pretty well as their backline guy. I know he was. Uh, they also do the blitzing defense. But, uh, Matt, what is your take on Wendell Carter wanting to play more forward? He says that he, he's going to maybe go to the team this offseason. I, I, that would like obviously completely throw everything off. When you still have Lowry there, uh, you have you have I guess you have some young you have a young center in Daniel Gafford too. But like I don't really the, I feel like Wendell Carter Jr. in the modern NBA is not a four. What do you what's your take on that? Yeah, I don't think so. And I'll kind of defer to Ricky as the the scout in this case when he, when he scouted Wendell coming out and it's, and it's still very high on him. I think and I and I am as well. But I think that's mostly as a center and his versatility there and his ability to you know move on the perimeter as a center that kind of gets lessened in effectiveness if he's power forward. I mean, hilariously, the Bulls have three roster spots and like $10 million tied up in backup center next yeah. year uh, with this great, you know, cap um, machinations they've been doing on their on their, on their their clean books. But, I mean, they, they managed to have like all these stiffs still on the roster. And I guess it's unfair to Daniel Gafford. He's not a stiff. But... He, but he is a backup if Wendell Carter is the center. So, I mean, maybe part of that is a reason, well, we can get minutes for our other backup centers if Wendell Carter is playing power forward, but they already have two power forwards in Markkinen and Thaddeus Young. So I really don't know what – I mean, it's kind of interesting that um, Wendell's like, taking it on himself to, like, do this kind of thing and kind of, like it, – it's kind of interesting that he's, like, trying to take control of his career this way to say, I'm going to talk to management and because clearly if you look at the roster, there's no place for him at power forward. I don't think – like on a like on the court, there's really a place for him at power forward. So that's kind of interesting that that's how he not only how he feels, but that he feels strongly enough about it where he can, you know, you know possibly bring this up to management. To me, it's more about his role and how he's been used on both ends of the court. Like he's basically thrown some shade at the blitzing scheme defensively. I don't think that he's a natural fit for that scheme. I think he'd be better in sort of a drop back, more conservative defensive approach. So, you know, if he's not the center, then he's probably not blitzing. And then offensively, uh, they just have totally, you know, underutilized him the entire season. Like they haven't been able to tap into his playmaking potential as a passer. They have not let him shoot at all. You look at how many more threes Robin Lopez this year is shooting than Carter is. So they really just haven't developed him at all. And I really think that like Carter is a smart guy. He's an honest guy for the most part. I think he's been keeping it real with his quotes and I'm pr- I feel pretty confident in my assessment that Carter knows all these people are full of shit and that they're not going to do him any favors in developing his career and helping him become the best player he can be helping him make the me- make the most money he can make and so uh, when he says a thing like you know I want to play power forward 
first you got to remember that like a lot of these young bigs say stuff like that like anthony davis uh always yeah. insists he's a power forward instead of a center i remember talking to harry giles when he was the top high school player uh, and asking him what position he thought he was and he was saying he was a power forward all day not a center uh when he's primarily i believe been used as center uh since he's gotten into the league so to me it's just like carter knows they're full of shit and they're not helping him yeah, I think it's it's almost ironic that the the Bulls I think actually do a pretty good job of identifying the type of guys they want to draft and that they're they're hard workers and they're willing to be coached and they they want to be great, but I think it kind of backfires on them once those guys wise up and say, you know, right, these guys don't know what they're doing. This isn't the place for me. I have to kind of like lead this team and like actually talk to management. I know they kind of like baited Zach Levine into saying he wanted to have input on the team's direction. And I think, yeah, it just goes to the, the, the players aren't dumb. They know these guys are frauds too. I mean, they look around the and then they talk to other players who are like, you know, what's going on with you, your guys in Chicago? You got your coach doing push-ups and like acting like a lunatic and just lying to people every game. And then your, your bought the ultimate boss of the, the vice president of basketball operations doesn't want to do the job and doesn't want to tell anyone about the job he's doing. And the owner's son says everything is going great and he's confused why anyone would think otherwise. So, I mean, from the top on down, the Bulls are just there's just a bunch of guys who are overpromoted with no credentials, no credibility, and they, they shouldn't have these jobs anymore. I mean, maybe Paxson would be a good like assistant GM. Maybe Gar Foreman is a good scout. Maybe Jim Boylan is a good video coordinator, but they're not at the levels where they should be, especially for one of the top organizations in the league. So it's just, I'm just so like tired. I mean, you know, John Paxson's been at this about as long as I have, and I'm tired of like, like fo- following all of John Paxson's moves because I just don't think I don't think he cares to do a good job. I, I think he just wants to stay in stay in power. It's good being like a, a leader of the Chicago Bulls. It's a nice job to have, and and it's like I don't think he actually cares about winning games, let alone winning titles. I mean, the idea that that this is like a championship driven organization is a total joke and i think everyone knows it when they talk about it. it's like these these titles were so long ago it was your dad writing michael jordan a check to get these titles and john paxson hit a shop and he was like the you know he wasn't the star player on this team and i think john paxson sometimes thinks it was the role players that got them those titles no it was the stars that got them those titles and this team needs stars and they don't want to get them and they don't have the mean they don't have the means or the ambition or the smarts or any way to actually get them outside of luck. So if they don't have luck, they don't have any way to like target a star in a trade. I mean, I mean, just going back to last summer when now I don't think this would have even been a good move, but the fact that they had no inkling to get in on Russell Westbrook, who was available for like anyone to take his contract because they and then John Paxson made a comment about it about well we're not at that place yet. It's like well what what place are we in? Like what what are we doing? What what is the Chicago Bulls about? Is it is it about just trying to become the Orlando Magic and maybe get the eight seed and like have our rookie head coach have good feelings about running into next year as like the lowest paid coach in the league and get this like low payroll team up to respectability in 500. I mean, is that all, all we care about? I mean, and the idea that we have to rebuild like it's 2003 and wait 10 years for all these guys to develop on the same uh, timeline when all these other rebuilds have started later than the Bulls and are now further along because they have potential star players, which the Bulls don't. And I don't think the Bulls even see the value in having stars. I think they see having the the baby Bulls like all run together and come out and see the guys play hard and maybe you know get to 50 wins and have a good time and keep a low payroll and yeah, I mean it's just like on and on year after year. The 
idea that they would potentially go into another rebuild. If, if it's John Paxson doing it, I just, I'm not sure I can take it anymore. <laughs> if they have a new voice saying, okay, we're going to burn this thing to the ground and build it back up and actually try to get stars in this city again, then I'm on board. But if it's John Paxson, I just don't think he has the ambition to actually get this done. Yeah, like I, I spent the last week just because I'm sick of the current Bulls rewatching my Bulls championship DVDs and just like reminiscing on actual good times. But it also reminded me of just how long John Paxson has been in this goddamn organization. Like, because obviously he was a player, he hit the he hit big shots in '91, hit the big shot in '93. But then after that, he was also he was also coaching in like I think in '97 or '98. Like he was a coach there, and then he went to the. That was another booth. job he quit because it was too hard. You're right, yeah, and then he and then he went to the radio booth, and then he became the the GM in 03, and he's been here since. Like he's basically John Paxson has been a part of this organization organization for like the last like three decades, like since I was basically born. Like just absolutely insane how long he's been here. Crazy. Move on. Just fire. Just fire him again. Like we obviously had this whole conversation already. It yeah, and you hear him talk hard. about like him and Boylan talk about what you know what the Chicago Bulls yeah. are about to them and like Bulls across the chest and like what an honor it is to be for this organization. And it's like well but why? Why why what do you think what do, what do they think the Chicago Bulls actually are? And I think they think it's a hard-nosed defensive team that it like does okay and you know gives fans like good value for for the product. But it's like no, it should be about being one of the best organizations in the league one of the most global brands in like the entire world and winning championships and i don't i don't think they feel that way yeah people across, we've, we talk about it all the time in this pod people ever across the world they are a global brand michael jordan made them a global brand people across the world they know the bulls they because of michael jordan and they don't act like a big market we've obviously had this conversation plenty of times it's it's infuriating yeah fire paxton uh, fire foreman definitely fire jim boylan that's like the bare minimum yes, they have exactly. to get rid of boylan um and then hopefully we can go through these last 20 games without hearing too much nonsense from boylan as he tries to cling on to like the last like grasp of his final nba head coaching job because i mean it's like it's so and i know there's like some pushback to say like well it's not really about Boylan it's about the guys above him and part of that is true but the fact that Paxson like stood behind this guy and extended him and keeps stumbling down while he's out there every night lying to people lying to the media and pumping himself up like cravenly trying to keep his job it's just like gross and I'm just sick of him yeah the, the, those quotes the other before the, the Thunder game legitimately made me mad just the goalposts moving I think John Greenberg was like, yeah, like season ticket holders should be pissed about that. I mean, just fans in general should be mad about that. Like we we saw what you said before the season started. You set these expectations. Now to say that everything is going okay, like that's it's it's shameful. It's just it's ridiculous. Uh, and fans shouldn't take it. Yeah, and the organization shouldn't take it. There should be accountability. And I think that that is that. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us here on Cash Considerations. Uh, always fun t- to chat with you and. Uh, shit on Jim Boylan and this organization that sucks right now I mean it's just, it's just shitty to be a Bulls fan that's why like I said that's why I watched these damn championship DVDs from when I was 10 years old just to get a remember what times were like when the Bulls were fun when that was when I was a little kid and just when the United Center and the stadium was actually rocking and fans actually cared just wanted to wanted to get that inject that into my veins instead of watching the current Bulls because they're absolutely terrible yeah uh, happy to be on and of course go to bloggable.com yes. we're still covering this team even though we're, we're kind of like hate we're watching trying. at this point but we're going to yeah. be on top of any you know front office rumors and basically telling people why if it's John Paxson picking someone it's probably no one worth having <laughs> yep. uh, but we're going to keep on it and hopefully go into the offseason with some good news and maybe some lottery luck and we're going to kind of do this thing over and over again let's hope so yeah bloggable.com follow matt at bulls blogger please and then 
for us, obviously, the cat considerations. Shout out to Blue Wire. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those places. Go check out all the other great pods across the Blue Wire network. Uh, please, as always, bet online. We're, we got this new partnership with them. Please go check them out and get your special promotion with Blue, with Blue Wire. Uh, so this has been Cash Considerations, Ishkagable's podcast. It's been Jason, Ricky, thank you again, Matt. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.